Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Detraction Pieces podcast, episode 527. And I'm joined today by Open Mike Eagle. Man, I'm hyped for this one. I reached out to Mike end of last year to have him him back on because Mike was one of the early guests. And I've been a fan of Mike for a long time. We've kind of kept in touch a bit. He's been doing so much good shit since he was last on. So I reached out end of last year and I don't think I got a response, I realise now. I think I reached out on Twitter and maybe isn't active on Twitter. It was Twitter then. Twitter existed then. And then Buddy Peace, I was catching up with Buddy Peace recently and he was like, hey man, you you should have Mike back on. He's doing amazing things. And I was like, yeah, I should. So I reached out again and he got back to me that same day and we lined up this conversation. Now we recorded it probably three weeks ago at this point. I'm just saying that in, in case anything is 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 timeline confusing because the world is moving insanely quickly. <laughs> So yeah, um, but it's a wonderful chat. Mike is one of my favourite r- rappers, but also one of my big inspirations because he just does so many, so, so many things. A lot of you will know I'm a big doer of different things. You know, I like to not go. Well, here's what I do. I have to stick to that. I like to go. Here's I I want to do anything I want to do. And Mike is one of those guys. And yeah, he's dope. He's on Twitch now. I'm loving him on Twitch. We talk about that. He's back to touring. We talk about touring. We talk about stand up. We talk about music. We talk about so much good shit. You're going to love it. I promise you. This is a hell of a chat. If you're not familiar with Open Mike Eagle, number one, get yourself familiar. But number two, this is the perfect chat to introduce you to Mike because we cover a lot of the stuff he's done, but in a real introductory manner. And you just get to hear what a fucking great voice he's got. I could listen to this guy's voice all day. I probably have at points if I've been bumping his album and then I catch him on Twitch and then I'm listening to one of his his many wonderful podcasts, you know. Good shit. And Mike was impossibly open, <laughs> pun not intended, um, was impossibly open and, 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 and honest in this chat too, which is always a beautiful thing. We're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's where you can get my merch. Patreon.com forward slash Pip and twitch.tv forward slash yo. Get involved in all of those things. They're all great. And follow Mike on Twitch. He's awesome. I really enjoy his his shows. I think the vibe is fantastic. You'll hear, I'm stunned to hear at points that he was figuring things out because it feels like he appeared completely, a completely realised vision. So yeah, it's good shit. Let's get into it. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 527, did I say? Uh, With Open Mike Eagle. Let's go. We're going in. I'm here today with Open Mike Eagle. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing well. I, I certainly have nothing to complain about, except that I make money in weird and inconsistent ways. Yeah. But that's my choice, you know? I, f- I feel you on that, and we'll talk about that, because you're someone... There was a time a while back that me, you, and Gene Gray were going to do a little pr- project together, mm-hmm. and all three of us have elected to refuse to follow one career path. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if one's going well, it's like, I'm going to go over here and do this now. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me go take a risk. I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> but but we'll get into all of that. But as, as we were saying before we got rolling, mate, last time I had you on, it was just as dark comedy had come out. Wow. So we're looking at eight years, seven, eight years, is it? Nine? A nine, I think. Yeah, 2014. 
was when Dark it's Comedy mad, came right? out. Yeah, that's oh, wow. Wild. That's yeah, it's a crazy one. And yeah, it means we've got a lot to catch up on. I mean, for anyone who didn't hear that episode, go and listen. And I need to sh- shout now, Nine Years On, it remains one of my favorite albums. Thank so you, man. I highly recommend it to all the listeners. But, but, but how have you been, man? You've been, been, been busy doing a lot of things. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, mostly, mostly good. Um, this week, I'm very anxious because uh, a tour starting tomorrow. Yeah. And so, you know, that that feeling when your life was about to be disrupted for a few weeks. I mean, again, mm-hmm. it's 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 your choice and it's how you make money. But, you know, there's a bunch of little tiny nightmare thoughts you can have going into it about mm-hmm. and about making sure your show is ready, making sure you have everything, making sure you're all packed, making sure I've got a balance on this credit card. And, you know, like yeah. all these, these this little like. A thousand point checklist in your head. So, like, I'm, I'm like, so we literally leave tomorrow. So, I am sitting here with you as present as can be. Meanwhile, the entire back of my brain is doing like a hundred anxious calculations. I know it all too well. When's your, <laughs> when historically, when's your acceptance point? Is it when you step on the bus? Is it when you step on the stage? I always used to have, weirdly, the, the night before a tour, would be the first time I chilled because it would be that point of going, right, I've done everything I can now. Like it's too late to do anything extra, but everyone has a different acceptance point, I find. I don't think I'm going to be completely settled until we are at the first hotel Mm -hmm. and I pull out everything and I make Mm -hmm. sure everything's there because I I can have all of my show stuff together and then open my suitcase in the hotel and realize I have not brought any underwear or, you know, yeah, or like... Life stuff. I was talking to Pete Dolan recently, and he's doing his first tour in a while since having surgery and all sorts. And we were discussing how on one of his UK tours he did with me, he had underwear on his rider. Because yeah. he was like, look, I'll just add that to the... Like, I can't remember who he got the idea off of. Smart move. But he was like, honestly, it's a surprising thing that you get on stage and it's sweaty and it's hot. And he's like, it's a simple thing. If I'm on, on the road for, for, for a month, if each place can get me, a, or every couple of places get me a pack of underwear, then that's, it helps along that's the way. That's smart shooting. I used yeah. to tour, I can't remember who, somebody used to have a pack of black t-shirts. Yeah on their rider, much for the same yeah. thing, because they just basically, uh, they put it on, do the show, sweat it out, and they got a new yeah. one on the way out. Yeah. Every now and then, someone, when I was on the merch booth, would comment about the fact I, I did the gig in my own merch, and I'm like, yeah, that's because I've got a van load of these. Why would I bring, <laughs> I, I, I just take a new one out, they're mine. It's like I'm doing it in my own merch, because it's functional, my friend. I love that, that it's not even about the marketing. It's just no, about it's the convenience. About like, why would, I, why would I bring, like, shirts that don't have my name on them? Yeah, yeah. If I have a I've box got, full of shirts that do have I've my got name like on. a thousand shirts in the van. Why would I bring ten more shirts? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. When was your, your last tour? Because I always find that's a, a nerve-wracking thing. I just had an acting gig abroad, and it was the first time I'd been abroad in a while. And the nerves I had of going to an airport, because in tour mm-hmm. days... Airports, I've got them on lock. I know which pocket I'm putting everything in. I know which jacket I'm wearing to put things in. All of this. But when you've done something for so long, it becomes muscle memory. When you have a break from that, I worry that there's there's something that would would have been muscle memory that I'm not taking into account, you know? So to answer the first part of that question, I actually never really stopped touring. Now, what that meant is 
every tour I did in 2021 and 2022 were all like COVID affected in one way or mm. another. Like uh, the guy I toured with, Video Dave, he got COVID and we were touring in Europe um, or in the UK, in fact. And, you know, I was touring opening for a band last year and one of the band members got COVID, so we had to shut it down. But I have not gone too, too long without trying to do something on the road. Even in 2020, uh, I did a drive-in tour oh, wow. with Hannibal, but that was one of the worst experiences that I've ever had. Really? It was absolutely Why? It's the awful. kind of thing that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, you it's, and it's Hannibal. It's great on paper. It's great on paper. I was going to say, was Hannibal doing comedy or... But you both do comedy and rap. So what was the, the, the balance of this show? He did only did comedy. I only did music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, you know, division of labor wise, it was pretty clear at that time. But um, it was a nightmare experience because we would be performing at very large drive-in theaters at night. And when you are standing on a stage at night and there's not like a, there's typically not a lot of, lighting where the cars are yeah the lighting is just on stage and you stand up there and you look out if there's like there's a parking lot with like 300 cars in it and you're performing it it literally looks like you woke up in a nightmare yeah it is it is one of the most ghastly intimidating positions you could ever find yourself in uh it was it was not fun and then you know then there's the the logistics of actually doing the show. It feels weirdly apocalyptic. It, it feels is. you're it performing is. to machines. I know exactly. there's humans in these machines, but exactly. it feels like you're performing to a, an audience of machines. And you can't, you can't feel them or you can't feel them clapping or hear them clapping. No. Like you hear it a little bit. You can't hear them laughing if you're Hannibal. Like it's, yeah. it was, it was rough. It was very rough. Yeah. That's wild. Did that then make you, I mean, this is a fucking obvious question actually. Did that then make you hype to get back to actual crowds? But I mean, clearly, because yeah. a lot of people who during the pandemic didn't get to play to crowds were then right. hyped to get back to crowds. You got to play to robots, right? And, and to, then you to got back machines, to, to exactly. humans. So that's maybe better. Yeah, and you know, and, and yeah, for sure was was excited to get back to crowds, but also scared, you know, because mm-hmm. you knew you're eventually going to get sick. I ended up getting COVID on a tour in January of this year. You know, it's just the risk. The risk you take was that the f- the first. The first time you got it? No, it's the second time I got it. The second, yeah, yeah. First time I got it from a skating rink. Oh, really? Yeah. That's mad. That was, yeah, it was ridiculous. I should have never gone in the first place. <laughs> and so not only did I fall, I, I left with COVID-19. Yeah. You fell onto some COVID. Yep, that's, exactly. That's just, that's just bad luck. That's not worked out nicely. Well, again, there's a lot of things I want to talk about in these in these past a few years, but but w- one of the areas I've been enjoying you on is Twitch. And from Twitch, I've found out what a big part coffee is in oh your life, God. in your morning. I'm not a coffee guy. Oh so man. tell me uh, about see, it. Tell uh, me about your process. For, for the listeners tell me what at it home, means I'm, to I'm you. holding up a cup into the camera yeah. right now. Yeah, I was glad to see the, the first time you reached for it because I know it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, right it's a key part screen. to get you going. I'm like, right, as long as you got it, you're good. <laughs> but you're a big coffee guy. I am. And I, you know, I certainly over-exaggerated a little bit on Twitch because the entire motif I've decided to lean on is this morning show thing. Yeah. And, you know, in figuring it out, I've just tried to find like low maintenance, low lift ways to kind of just hang out and play music, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, yeah. and have conversations with people. Because my natural inclination is to like 
program every moment of a live mm-hmm. stream because I'm afraid of just sitting there and <laughs> letting chaos happen. Yeah. So I landed on that morning show thing and coffee and the live stream used to just be literally two songs I would play that energized me. And I called it coffee just in the context of the live stream. But I just really enjoy, like it's just become part of the live stream where I just hang out and talk to people for a while. Yeah. Uh, I'll have some elaborate GIF, <laughs> uh, some some visualizer looping that may or may not be coffee related playing. And, we'll, you know, and I'll play songs that I like and, and, you know, it's like a little coffee hang for about yeah. 40 minutes kind of in the, in the, uh, the early part of the live stream. But yeah, like in life, yeah, I'm a big coffee drinker. Like yeah. at least two cups every day, at least. It can it can get a lot more. I have to I have to be careful. And are you fancy with your coffee tastes? Or are you, you know, are you accepting no. of basics or do you need I like high-end? very I like very basic coffee. Good coffee tends to, to taste gross to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's too yeah. like bitter. I don't want to have bitter coffee. That's not fun. Uh, I argue before I kind of largely walked away from socials, I'd argue with people because I'm a big I'm a big fan of pizza, right? And every mm-hmm. now and then I'll post about Pizza Hut or Papa John's or one of these and people will go, ah, oh, oh, you're not a real fan of pizza then. And it's like, no, you're not a real fan of pizza. If the only pizza you like is the Italian pizza, then you're not really accepting pizza as a whole because there's true. many different kinds. And sometimes I'm in the mood for trash pizza. I, I can dig you that. You know, sometimes I'm in the mood for high-end pizza, but sometimes... Sometimes I want pizza that's come from a kebab shop. I don't even want them to specialize in pizza. It's like, that's how into pizza I am, my I friend. It. But I'll always have people go, no, no, no. If you're not into... No, I do like Italian pizza too, but... Here's the thing. Will you eat convenience store pizza? Yeah. Okay. I've I've yeah. had some moments that I wasn't proud of where I've eaten convenience store pieces, but I, yeah. I usually try to avoid it. Or, or or the kind of lowest level over here is that kebab shop pizza. And okay. that's my kind of... Because they're the only places that are open at like 2 a.m. or whatever. And every now and then, that's the exact kind of pizza I want. Like, I know this cheese, there's something wrong with this cheese. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not real cheese in some way. There's something going on, but it's what I need in the moment. So, Well, you know, out here, um, have you been to 7-Eleven out here? Are you familiar yeah. with 7-Eleven? And, yeah, and they don't yeah. have that there, right? I don't remember seeing a 7-Eleven. No, 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 so, we don't. 7-Eleven uh, is the ultimate convenience store and that they will literally have anything that they think anybody wants to buy in the most Mm -hmm. cost-effective way possible for them to have it. So your kebab shop, the good thing about buying a piece of there comparatively (laughs) is that it sounds like there's human beings cooking things there in general. So that's, you know, so even if it's not the best ingredients, there's still some cooking happening. 7-Eleven pizza, I'm sure, comes in stacks of frozen plastic-covered slices, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the the employees, there's no fryer, there's no oven. So they put them in a the microwave, yeah. um, put them in a little cardboard box that just holds one little piece of pizza. It's pretty yeah. shitty. It's grim. Yeah, the it's last grim time indeed. I, I spent a bit of time living in Vancouver for a, a TV show I was filming, and my nearest convenience store was a 7-Eleven, and it n- n- never got to the point where I bought any hot food from there. <laughs> I guess I was near enough to go yeah. back to my my Airbnb <laughs> and order something fresh. But every time I'd queue up, I'd go there for my ice cream. I'm a big yeah. ice cream guy as well. And the excitement of being in America or Canada is the variations of Ben and Jerry's that we don't have over here. I um, see. So I'd be going in there for that. And even if I was starving, I'd be looking at all this kind of permanently warm food mm-hmm. on the on the side. 
behind some glass. Under some hot lights. Yeah. yeah, under some hot lights. I'd be like, nah, no, I'm not hungry enough to, to fuck with that. I have eaten an embarrassing amount of those, I guess you would call them taquitos that they make. Right. Those yeah. little hard rolled tacos. Yeah. They'll put yeah. random stuff in. I've eaten more of those than I would like to admit. I love it. I love it. I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Twitch and what and what drew you there because it's fascinating to me to hear that um, you've consciously put that kind of chill section at the start because that's the bit that gives me my complete impression of you, uh, mm. of you on Twitch. I love that you feel you seem so relaxed and doing things at your own pace, which I think that's most of my favourite streamers are those who look comfortable there rather than. For, feel like they're eager. Like, the kind of rap I used to do, people would be surprised that I was a big fan of Lil Wayne. And I'd always Mm. explain it that I've never heard anyone that feels so relaxed in the booth and on the mic. Like, he feels so relaxed. And that appeals to me, I think, in every area of of media. So yourself, B. Dole, and a few others, just, yeah, there's that comfort of like, cool, here we are, I've gone live. Now, what are we doing? I got to say that it took a while for me to find that and it, it's I, interesting. So I think me and, and my live stream sort of persona goes back to the pandemic again. Mm-hmm. I started doing this thing on Instagram called Quarantine Drive Time Radio. I will go live for about an hour every day, every Monday through Friday, and kind of develop like a little radio show, basically, mm-hmm. that I was doing on live stream every day. And, you know, we did that from like April to December. So, you know, I got a lot of hours in being on live and kind of like understanding how it is to some degree. But yeah, I mean, Twitch, I just started again this year. So there was a lot of rust and I did have a lot of nerves and it took me a while to kind of get back into the groove of just being relaxed and not having to have every single thing planned out. And yeah, like there's still a lot of planning, but yeah, like it was nice to find that pocket where, okay, I enjoy doing this thing where I'm sitting here and playing music and just kind of riffing. People seem to be into it too. So it's not like, I don't want them to think I'm like dogging it or, you know, presenting some sort of subpar entertainment. So I think just kind of finding that rapport with me and people were like, okay, we're into this. We're, we're in, you know, we can talk about the songs that come up. We can just riff on something that happens in chat for a while. Like, and as I'm saying this out loud, I'm realizing I think the third aspect of it is having gotten to know what seems to be my audience on mm-hmm. Twitch. I mean, and it's it's just starting. And I, you know, I've I've rarely had more than like 60, 70 people on at a time, but it's a different group than when I was doing it on Instagram. Yeah. But and and also, I mean, I think it's also affected by the fact that I don't do it every day like I was doing it on Instagram. So where we really had like, we really had like this community there because everybody mm. was at home. Everybody was just looking yeah, for stuff to to hang on to. So we were kind of providing that. And this is different. Like this is people who, because I tend to go live in the morning here on LA, you know, West Coast time. Yeah. So if I go live at 930, it's 1230 in New York. This is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. These are the people who can hang out somewhere and have the volume up while I'm yeah. talking shit and playing music. So, I mean, you know, these aren't office workers. These are this. There's I don't know what quite to call this population yet, but they're yeah. a different sort. Yeah, I agree. And it's I've, it's what I found fascinating with Twitch. And I'm kind of having a bit of a, a break from it at the moment. But the thing I love about it is, and this is going to sound so hammy, is it is about the communities. Mm-hmm. And the audience and the people in the chat, like 
there was a period where any time I'd fancy doing some gaming, I'd think to myself, well, why would I do it off stream? Mm. Like when I can have people there hanging with me and if something bad happens, we can laugh. If something good happens, they can go, oh shit, did you see that kind mm-hmm. of thing? It seems, yeah, it's a weird one. What games did you play on stream? So I came in playing a game called Rust. Okay, I've with heard Rust about it, but I, so I haven't seen it. There's a Scottish streamer called Limmy. I was a big fan of his TV show. He's a great comedian. And he started doing Twitch and fell in love with it. And he'd he'd set up a Rust server, so it's only him and people he invites. And this was, I guess, towards the end of the lockdowns. I became addicted to it. Mm. There's playlists of it on YouTube, and I go back and watch them still. It was the most amazing thing. And because I'd had Limmy on the podcast, so we we knew each other a bit, I was like thinking of getting in there. And he's like, "Like you should stream." So literally, when there was a new a new wipe, which is where everyone starts fresh, I decided I was going to join. And in a week, I sorted out my streaming setup, my everything, downloaded it, and was good to go. And that's all I streamed for a bit. But yeah, it's got me playing loads of games I used to play back in the day. Do you have you got many games planned like outside of music? See, that's the thing, right? I've dabbled in Twitch before and did a little gaming, but never did it consistently on Twitch. Yeah. That's what everyone always says is the key to it being a success, right? Is you yeah. have to have your schedule, have to have your... True. Now, in this new incarnation of me streaming on Twitch, I have experimented with gaming, and I don't think that's what the audience that is there for me is really there for, or at I least not that. the games that I enjoy playing. Like, I, I play this game called Overwatch. Yep. You know, which is a first-person shooter with all of this stuff happening on screen. If you're not following it, it's not, like, visually... It's not easy to follow if you don't know yeah. what the game is. Um, I think the best gaming stream I had is when Street Fighter Six came out. And yeah, yeah, I was yeah. playing with that for a while. It's an easier game to follow. It's just two characters on the screen fighting. Yeah. Like it's, you know, you can you can click into the stream and instantly know what's going on. But that's typically not the kind of game I enjoy. And I th- yeah. I've learned that the games I like don't seem to do very well with the people who are looking at me on Twitch. It's interesting, man. Like I have that again with this guy, Lemmy, sometimes. I'll tune in regularly. He's another, he's a 9.30 UK time streamer. I'll tune in regularly, but there'll be periods where he's playing a game that after he's done all the chatting and hanging out and he starts playing the game, I'm like, cool, I'll go now. Because, yeah, it's weird how if it's not the game I'm into, me and and B. Dolan play a lot of PUBG. Okay. Have you played any PUBG? So I've never played Because it's a first person. Yeah. You know, my son got me into playing Fortnite um, 2021. Um, yeah, so I played a lot of a lot of Fortnite that year. I never played PUBG though. I played a lot of Apex Legends too. For us, PUBG feels like Fortnite for slightly older people. Yeah, which is where <laughs> we're at home. We're like, right, it's not as there's not as many crazy colors and mad things going yeah. on. We can be a little bit more calm. And again, it works as a streaming game because you can have a group of like four of you all in chat, right? Um, you're just hanging out and talking and and getting on with things. But yeah. I'm interested to see where you go with it all because I sense that every now and then games will come up and it's clear that you, you've you got games that, that you're into. You've mm-hmm. definitely got, you know, a retro game history there. But yeah, it's interesting to see what actually clicks with your audience and what doesn't. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to try Armored Core when that comes out because I'm a really big right. fan of that developer. So, you know, I think, the, I think the thing of it is too, and that's the other thing that I experienced with the Street Fighter thing, I bought the game and didn't even really try it until I was on stream. So like, I'm like building a character on. So I think I feel like giving people the opportunity to come in on day one with you 
yeah. is kind of important and stuff like that too. So, you know, when Armor Core comes out, I feel like I'm going to just get it and then start playing it on stream. And, yeah. you know, I think that might be an easier time to, to get people into it. I've got, a f- again, particularly during the pandemic, like when I was filming in Canada, I was in isolation. There's a guy, again, a British comedian called the David Earl, and he would do these careers on FIFA. But he'll build this character, he'll give him a name, he'll give him a backstory, all of this kind of thing. It got me through that period of the pandemic, man. Just mm. I, ha- I had to tune in each episode to continue that story because wow. I've I've been there from the start. And yeah, I do think there's something in that for for Twitch rather than simply a, a pick up and play. Right. It's like, oh, we're continuing the story here. Yeah, like we're continuing like on. The old the old let's play that I guess used to be big on YouTube was kind of the same yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of stories, and that was a smooth <laughs> link you're going to see now, but. We're going to get, get, get all meta here and talk about podcasting on podcasts. Can we talk about uh, what had happened was? Absolutely. Because what an amazing concept, show, everything. Thank you. Explain it to people. Each series is focusing on a different person. And yeah, you yeah, expl- so, go ahead. Um, it's basically me interviewing someone who I consider to be a legend in, in hip-hop in one sense or another. For yeah. an entire season, uh, each season so far has been twelve episodes. First season was with Prince Paul, De La Soul, Grave Diggers, Handsome Boy, Modeling School. Second season was with LP, Company Flow, Run the Jewels, and the third season was with Dante Ross, the legendary A and R, who you know signed Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Busta Rhymes, Leads of the New School, Old Dirty Bastard, uh, KMD, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, Brand Nubian. He worked on De La Soul's first album, so he just has. Mm an incredible lineage from the business side. And yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, just to be in the privileged position to get to ask the questions I've always wanted to ask as a fan of all of these projects and really get like the human stories that kind of connect the dots with a lot of this stuff too. Like I'll never forget listening to Prince Paul talk about making the Prince Among Thieves album. Like, mm. like he was in his mom's basement making that album. Like feeling shitty about his career and like having this thing, this like beautiful audio symphony in his head and having to piece it all together and like Mm. telling the rappers what he needs from them, but not necessarily telling them what it's for, what the story is. And I, I don't, it's just how much was done on that record. And you can hear each and every little choice made, but it was just him, you know, it was like him. Alone in a basement yeah. making like yeah. this movie album. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. And it's just like, I, I really like having that extra context of like the human moments that went into making all of this wonderful music. Mate, it's a beautiful thing. And I think what really strikes me about it is that you pick a person for each series. And I don't know, it brings something special out. It brings these stories out. It goes that bit deeper. I had LP on here. And I love LP. I love Run the Jewels, but I love Company Flow. I love mm-hmm. all the Def Jack stuff. I loved the Cannibal Ox production. I loved L's solo stuff, the Killer Mike's solo r- record, all this kind of thing. But when you've got someone on for one episode and they've got a new Run the Jewels album out or a new soundtrack tr- tr- out, then you do feel kind of almost r- r- rushed to get the highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the beauty of you going, right, well, we're going to do 12 episodes... And we're going to get into it. I think you've got a very calming and laid back style anyway. And it just means that those podcasts can just unfold in such a a beautiful way that I don't think they would. Like some of the same subjects could be discussed 
on another podcast and I don't think the stories that come out on yours would come out because it is, it's that we've got time here. Let's yeah. let's get into all of it. We got time here. And I think in a lot of senses, some of these people have not been given the opportunity to tell some of these stories too. Mm. And they want to, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, like it, I feel like part of what ends up happening with hip hop specifically, and this might be, you know, it, it might be all genres of music because it's all ultimately art, you know, packaged as product. So when it's no longer got the PR firm working for it, or if mm-hmm. it's no longer making a bunch of money for the label, in our public cultural consciousness, the thing kind of just goes away. And everybody from the consumer to the artist starts to feel like it's not important anymore. Mm-hmm. But like, I think the the feeling that the show really taps into is that it doesn't matter if the industry is still singing the praises of, you know, Fun Crusher Plus. You know, it doesn't matter if if the, you know, the rap writers aren't still writing about it. The people who loved it still love it. The the emotional attachments, the the affecting nature of the music is still there. And we give the artist a chance to like really live in that for a second, like really understand how important it is. This music is for people. I think a lot of times they get really surprised at that too, but it lights yeah. them up and then they unravel it and people love hearing it because they still love this music, you know? Yeah. And and again, it's all music that people have obsessed over mm-hmm. and obsessed over the brief bits of information in like the l- liner notes or right. in an interview that came out at the time. And it's like, they know this inside and out. And yet you can suddenly get these new stories that, I mean, it's one of the things that keeps me checking out Instagram is every now and then someone will put up a video of like pros telling the story of ODB recording Ghetto Superstar. Ghetto Superstar. (laughs) And it'll be like, how have I never heard this? This is the most amazing thing in the world. And there'll be things like that that just like, there's so many stories that just haven't, don't seem to have been been documented enough. And I think that's what you do beautifully with, with what had happened was, is yeah, there's so many points that it's like, oh shit, how is this not its own film? (laughs) Did you hear the, um, the Busta Rhymes Lifetime Achievement Award speech at the BET Mm -hmm. Awards? No, I don't think I did. You got to check that out. He tells the greatest story of what he did when he first left Leaders of the New School, but before he put his his first solo album out. Yeah. He used to find out which artists were going to be at every studio in New York, like which which rap artists were going to be in what studio. He would go in there saying that he was working in there the night before, but he had forgotten something. And he went in there with a blunt rolled up, ready to share. And he would go in be sitting there hearing what they're playing on the reels or whatever. And he would just start writing a verse and he would ask him, could he lay it down? And he'd lay it down and he'd destroy it. And then he would go back to his management and tell them to send the artist an invoice for the verse he just recorded. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Yeah. And he said he did that for weeks. Like, and it makes perfect sense because he was the king of the guest spot. He, he was said, the king. He, you like, he was it's saying him he, and Nate Dog accidentally H- invented him and Nate the Dog were the yeah, yeah. It's they were the 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 bust and not so much, I guess, but definitely Nate Dog. I've heard feature on more tracks than I've heard of his own tracks. Kind yeah, of thing. And exactly. A hundred percent. That makes that Dogg. makes sense with Buster just turning up and doing it himself. But then again, the the joy of sending an invoice. On, yes, on top of that. and 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 <laughs> the. Being able to get away with it because he's that good, you know, yeah. like he's he's definitely made the song better. He's definitely made yeah. it a single now, you know, yeah. like it's it's yeah. it's so dope. It's so dope. I love it. I love it. So have you got any more 
series planned? And it, or have you yeah, got anyone in yeah. mind who I, you'd like I, to? I who's have next? A, I have the next season is completely wrapped recording. Amazing. And it's getting edited right now. And I'm gonna try to be ready to make an announcement next month on, you Fantastic. know, who it is and when people can start listening and all that. Have you got anyone that's like a dream yes. um, series focus that you've not that you've not managed to get kind of thing? My dream list is Q tip, mm-hmm. Rizza. Yeah. Buster Rhymes. Those are those are my top three. Yeah. And then I'd also love to talk to Eric Badu. I'd also love to talk to DJ Premier. Like there's there's yeah. a it's a nice little list of folks. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Again, as you've said, any of them, I've been like, yeah, I would eat that yeah. up. That's <laughs> have you watched the um the Wu Tang series? Oh, of course. How'd you find it? I fucking loved it. There were certain ones in this this most recent series that I wasn't digging quite so much, but I loved it. It snuck out over it. It was on like it yeah. was on Disney Plus, just hidden away. It didn't seem to be announced. It was on but Disney Plus in the Disney UK. Plus. Plus? In the UK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, it was on it was on Hulu out here, but I, you know yeah. Disney owns both of those. But I'm surprised yeah. they put it under the Disney Plus. Yeah, but hid it away because it's on Disney Plus, I right? Guess. Exactly. So it was. They it didn't get like this big push, and, and I stumbled upon it and was like, "Oh, this must be dog shit," because yeah. I've not heard anything about it. And then, yeah, I smashed that first series in no time. Yeah, I love that it exists, and there's moments. In it to give me like so much joy. Yeah. I think that they made a couple of critical decisions in the first season about how true they were going to stay to what actually happened mm-hmm. and whether or not when they deviated from that, it was going to be in a way that people knew it or not. Yeah. And I think that, ah, like that kind of set them on this path where they can do these creative flourishes that are sometimes really cool and sometimes like it can be a little almost like emotionally confusing if you really love this music and want to know these stories. If they present something in a very stylistic way, but it doesn't correlate with what actually happened, it's like, even though it's dope, I'm not sure if it gives the material the elevation that it deserves. You know? Like, it's it's like if if we were to compare it to what it happened was, it's like, like, I think part of the, the juice in it is the true story of what happened. You know, mm. like where if somebody suddenly started making a bunch of shit up, like, is that really the goal of what we're trying to do? You know, even if it would sound cool, like that's not yeah. necessarily the goal of it. And, you know, I just think that they had a weird line to try to balance. And sometimes they super hit it. And sometimes I was like, I was left with questions on what the goal was at certain points. Yeah, I feel you. I feel like, you know, when you get like a new game or whatever and you have to scroll through this whole terms and conditions or whatever and then click and accept <laughs> yeah. first. I feel ahead of the Wu-Tang series, everyone should have to watch the Wu-Tang documentary series that ah, they put yes. out a couple of years back first. And then you're allowed to watch the dramatised, fictionalised version. Like, watch the reality first and then just enjoy this weird fantasy version that has some, as as you say, some 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 moments for me that were just, yeah, I don't know. It's like the thought of getting to see some of those songs the first time it's dropped in the club yeah. or whatever. And I know it's a dramatised version, but hair's standing up on my arms. Exactly. Like, just same. Absolute buzz. Same. Sometimes even like, you know, like even even some of those dramatised things where, you know, suddenly um, they're doing, they're, they've come up with, oh gosh, is it, it's yours? I feel like like they did it where they came, like where they came up with the idea for the song like or very organically and suddenly in the WooWare store where like yeah. they're talking and suddenly and it's like 
I think that shit is really cool because I love that music, you know, and, and yeah. I like seeing that cool moment. But again, it's like, I think it just depends on what the the purpose of what they're doing is. And because if that if that purpose isn't clear, then you kind of get something that doesn't quite do either thing. You know, yeah, it doesn't completely dramatize it and it doesn't completely celebrate it. It's like wishy-washy yeah. at a certain point. It, it, I think it, it hit particularly well for me because obviously a love of woo, but obviously but also a confusion over why they stopped being like your menace to societies and your boys in the hoods and these mm. films that were dope and were really... Yeah, it it seemed like a genre that was around for a minute and then and then vanished. And this felt like a mix of the two, part mm. part of storytelling and part of return to that era of 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 cinema. That yeah, you know, it's interesting too because now that you say that, what it makes me think about is that I do think that spirit, that sort of cinema style, ended up going into television instead of staying in theaters. Yeah. So you started to get like The Wire and now you yeah, got like yeah. Snowfall and, you know, you get Power, yeah. like you Makes get, sense. you know, yeah, you get all those sorts of shows. But you're right, like that movie style went away, but it ends up going into TV. And I think that is, a, that is a one of the good reasons why I'm glad they chose to make a television show rather mm. than try to make a movie, you know, yeah. because there's a lot of story to tell and it gave them a lot of room to try different stuff. Power was one of those shows for me that feels like it's kind of the k- 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 kebab shop pizza. Like, <laughs> I fucking adored it. It's one of my favourite shows, but I couldn't explain why. I couldn't really like... Whereas with The Why, you can give these specific episodes or this specific thing or something it's trying to do. Power, I'd be like, I don't know, but I just want to see more. I want to see every episode. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. I never it's watched Power. I got the sense from, you know, seeing people talk about it social media that it would be something that I could accidentally find myself <laughs> enjoying a lot but I never sought ex- it out that's exactly it yeah. that's exactly it it was one of them I, the first a friend recommended in the first couple of episodes I was like nah man this ain't happening and then yeah seven series on or whatever else it may be well I mean speaking of 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 TV can we talk a little bit about the new Negro sh- of course, show of course. that you did on, 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 on Comedy Central because again the the, that was something that I've only seen clips of. It was hard to to find over here, I guess. But that was a, a, a part of a part of our demise was that they did not do a great job of making it easy to find. Of getting it out there. But how did that all come about? Because it was it was stand up. It was music. You had like Doom on. You had Danny Brown. You had Lizzo. You had these amazing people. And particularly at that point, that's mad to think of on somewhere like Comedy Central. It sounded like a hell of a thing. Yeah, it was. And and it's funny. Everything that you describe is is all part of why it didn't work, you mm. know? So New Negroes was a live show that Baron Vaughn had been doing for a few years at festivals where he would just kind of curate a stand-up show and have a musical guest at these different comedy festivals. Eventually, he wanted to kind of normalize it. So he got me to be the regular co-host and musical guest. And it'd always be a rotating list of comedians. We were doing that at festivals and we started doing it monthly in L.A., for a couple of years. And along that, you know, as, as that was developing, we started talking to different television production companies about reimagining the live show as television show. And we ended up linking up with Funnier Die as producers. And we, you know, did the whole thing of selling it around LA, you know, the different networks. And, you know, had a few suitors and Comedy Central ended up making the best offer. But, you know, what we sold it in the room as was this kind of like, Afro-futurist comedy show with these exclusive songs in it. And that's what we sold. 
that's what they bought. And I was just telling somebody this the other day. So, okay, you, you, you sell something to a network. There's negotiations that take fucking forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like months and months and months and months. But after that negotiation period ended, we closed the deal. On the very first kickoff call, like for pre-production, Comedy Central was already trying to like figure out how to get rid of the music. Like already right. trying to figure out how to get rid of the music. Yeah. Already like had execs on the kickoff call. Like, yeah, historically, you know, music hasn't done that much for us for audience retention. So like, can we can we break it up? Does it have to be every episode? It's like, well, this is what we sold. Like That's this the show. Is, That's this the point the of the show. This thing. is what it is. Yeah. And apparently, you know, they say even on the late night shows, the popular ones, the Jimmy Fallon's, the Jimmy Kimmel's, who've had musical guests forever, that when the musical guests come on, half the audience leaves. Again, which is like, it's like I get that if I'm thinking as the network, because this is the thing too, we were talking about how Comedy Central made it kind of hard to find. Because what was happening at Viacom then, because Comedy Central is a Viacom network, so that's also MTV, BET, uh, VH1, a few other networks that I can't remember, Nickelodeon. They didn't have like Paramount Plus then. Mm. What they had was a sort of like a la carte deal with Hulu, where they would put some things on Hulu sometimes. Right. But their main revenue stream, their entire business model was based on how much money they could get for ad revenue for entertainment that was only available on cable, like not available anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, For Viacom at that time, if you make something more widely available, it brings down the rate that they can get for the ads. Yeah. Yeah, and so people there, aren't going to be tuning in and watching right. live and whatever else. So there was no incentive for them to make it available for people who didn't have cable. And they put us on Friday at 11 o'clock at night when our young hip audience is not sitting at home waiting to see yeah. a stand-up and music television show. I, could, I can so see how this is yeah. some exec going, though, 11 o'clock on a Friday night. That's when we'll have the music and stuff. It's the party time. It's like... No, that's when people are out listening actually, to music and actually stuff. Partying, that's, that's, yeah. that's why it doesn't work at all. That doesn't make any sense. That's so, wild. Yeah, um, you know, and, and so we did not perform well, given all of those factors. Um, and so kind of just came and went. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. Have you thought about doing anything special with the platform of Twitch? Because, again, one of the things I've got some love for on Twitch is doing some unusual things. I've done some kind of weird, almost short film type live interaction thing going on. I won't ramble on about it now, but I think it's a really interesting platform that loads of people are sitting there with like a stream deck or whatever, and you've basically got a live TV editing suite on your desk, and we're mainly using it to go from a gaming stream to a just just chatting stream. And I think there's so much interesting stuff that could be done on Twitch that I you can produce agree. a show in a way, but, you know, people aren't necessarily always using it for you know, what it could be. So on one hand, I am very interested in that. And part of what is exciting to me about the platform is all of the different possibilities of stuff Mm. like that, stuff that you wouldn't immediately think of. Like that's where a lot of the juice is for me. But on the other hand, I have to be very careful not to make streaming on Twitch too much of a creative burden for me. Yeah. And I am sort of inclined to do that with everything. It's like, Oh, yeah, I got I, I got this thing. How do I make it 
crazy. How do I, you know, how do I make it as 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 advanced as as like what what kind of curveballs can I throw at it? What can I do that? But and and I will I will start thinking like that, and I will look up, and a month later I'll be like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Mm. Like because it starts to feel like homework. I don't. I have to fight the urge to make it homework. Yeah. I think hopefully if I keep doing it, it'll come a day where I'm so comfortable. It's making so much money, you know, that I can start to divert more of my creative resources into it. But that's not what it is right now. And I kind of have to be real practical about that. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Well, I mean, before we wrap things up, there's two things that we've um, chatted about in the past. In fact, there's three. There's a few things. (laughs) One of the things that we've talked about in the past on the previous episode was a love of wrestling Mm -hmm. and something that's happened since we last spoke is AEW. Yeah, And I want to kind of see what you think about this because it was crazy exciting when it arrived. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, you know, it's had this up and down journey. Have you jumped on board? Have you been getting into it? How do you feel? So I was super into it when it came out or when it started. Because at that time, I I had stopped watching WWE when they brought Hulk Hogan back in like 2018 or something like that. 17, 18. And I said, I'm done with this. And I was very excited that I had wrestling I could watch now. You know, I, you know, living in Southern California, I've been to PWG a lot. Mm -hmm. So it is super exciting to me to see all of these people who I used to watch in PWG, like national television as well. Yeah, of course. Young Buck, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, Sammy Gavor. Like the list just goes on and on. These people I used to watch in this little VFW hall, like having like that, big of a presentation. I'm super excited have, for it. I have exactly this. they're saying with Progress. I used to go to Progress Wrestling. It's mm-hmm. where Will Ospreay came up. Yeah. And all of these guys, all of the, uh, Pete Dunn, Tyler mm-hmm. Bay, all of these were all in this tiny little r- ring with, with, with a load of seats around it. And then, yeah, that yeah. national jump. And and so, I, you know, very excited, very dialed in. When the pandemic happened, I was not, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch it without fans. Like I just, mm-hmm. it, did, it's, it was like depressing to me to watch wrestling yeah. without people. Um, I feel you. So I was out for a while. I ended up getting back into it around when they signed CM Punk mm-hmm. and they signed Adam Cole. I started getting back into it and was really, really digging it. And then when Vince left, I started watching WWE again. And and having a good time with that as well. And then the whole thing that happened with CM Punk and the Young Bucks, the the all out the fight mm-hmm. and the media scrum yeah, yeah. and all that, like it has exposed some real problems with AEW for me. Like yeah. some some like things that I started out seeing as kind of little things, but now like you know, especially if you watch a wrestling show week after week you know, for a year or two, you really start to, like, you get invested, like, you want things to kind of, like, make sense and happen and and do the thing that wrestling does where it sucks you into a story and you get mm-hmm. behind somebody and the whole crowd is behind somebody or the whole crowd gets shocked by this unexpected turn of events. And it's like, there's so much in the way of them doing anything coherently right now. And I think it's because, I guess one issue is that AEW has quote unquote smart fans, right? Mm-hmm. And so much of what happens on the internet and what happens backstage is like present in the show in a way that just takes me out of it a lot. Yeah. It's really hard to detach when you've seen mm-hmm. behind the curtain and it, it it doesn't look good. Like it's hard to enjoy fucking 
Hulk Hogan when you know he's a racist. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's these things. In the UK during the pandemic, the UK wrestling scene had their kind of, had their own Me Too movement kind mm. of happen. It was bizarre because oh, right, at the same right. time, there was kind of a similar thing happening in the a lot of indie rap in the US. So I'm kind yep. of, these two worlds that mean the world to me are suddenly... Oh, I, rem- I remember Loads of my heroes. <laughs> loads of my heroes are being fucking r- r- ripped off the walls as such. Mm-hmm. And I've struggled to get, get back into wrestling after that. And it's like, it seems wrong because the ones who are left are the good ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we chased out the pieces of shit. You should now support them. But then, yeah. I think it's why there was a period where I was really supportive of AEW. And then when you start to see, oh, some of these guys are dickheads and some of these mm-hmm. aren't really running things how I would would want, it kind of, it takes you out of the, again, it sounds so stupid, but it takes you out of the of the, the, the fantasy that that is because that's that's what it's meant to be. Everyone who kind of to be. tries to argue with you and say, you know, it's not real like, I'm always like, man, you're going to hate films right. and, and, and TV because they're not real either. It's like, the, the point is it's not real, but when you get too much of the reality exposed, it like you, makes you... You know what's really great? I'm not sure if you're keeping up with WWE right now, but you... you like the, the bits, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the bloodline I'm, thing is like... It's astounding, right? It's perfect wrestling storytelling. Like, mm. I don't know how... Jimmy and Jay and Roman and and Paul and so I don't know how Solo. they really feel about each yeah. other as people. Yeah. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't know yeah. like whose idea what is. I don't know like if they ride together to the like like it's like that shit's not a part of it. It's just a story being told through characters yeah. who are really committing to it and it's allowing us as an audience to like dial in and feel connected to it. You and know? the thing with the WWE, the strength of the WWE this is kind of my cheat code, is where I'm not watching wrestling to, to the extent I used to be, I tune into a WWE pay-per-view and there will be packages before yes. each each match Absolutely. that tell the story so beautifully. And Absolutely. it's something they've always been real real good, good at. And then, for example, I'm tuning in into this for, for Forbidden Door pay-per-view a few weeks ago and the matches were astounding, but I had no story yeah. and no connection. I, and no, I, I, I have not you know, bought either... Forbidden Door pay-per-view because you know, especially if it's, you know, it, we're talking about 40, 50 bucks in four to five hours of my life. Like yeah. if it's cool matches, yeah, it's like you can tell me cool matches happen and I'll and I'll agree. Like I okay, sure. Yeah. I bet they do. Cool. I bet they, they were. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like I'm not necessarily in it just for that. You know? No. Like I, I want a build up to a match with a story where I'm very interested in the outcome. That's what I yeah. want. You know, yeah. especially if you're asking me to pay money, I need a build up. I need something like to me, the story of New Japan and AEW, like in itself, it doesn't mean a lot to me. Like, I know, like, you know, and I can recognize the talent everywhere. But, you know, the, the first time they tried to do SmackDown versus Raw, it was exciting. Every other time <laughs> since then, it wasn't exciting at all because it's like, cool, it's just the same company and it doesn't really it mean does anything. Not ma- like, like the, the individual <laughs> wrestlers have no connection to whether they're on Raw or on SmackDown. They yeah. don't care. So yeah. there's no reason for us to care either. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and the Bloodline story really fascinates me because it should have got boring by now. Yeah. It should have got old, but somehow they're managing to keep it. And I I saw an interview with with, with Jimmy and Jay recently and I got genuinely emotional watching it because they were saying, it was Ariel Ariel Helwani was asking them if they've ever thought about splitting and going against each other. And for those who don't know, these are actual real life brothers, brothers, actual twins, born minutes apart. And they were saying they really want to 
split and have a feud and have a match at Mania. And when they then, like, he was like saying, why? Why is that such a goal for you? That They were like, that was us in our living room as kids. Right. And to get to be these two kids in a living room doing this when we were young children to be in, here we are in front of tens of thousands doing the same thing. It's beautiful. And again, I feel that with all of that that bloodline story because they are all real brothers and cousins and all mm-hmm. this and they're at the top of the business right now. It's a buzz. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible to watch. And meanwhile, on AEW, like I find myself, I find myself like actively thinking about like Dave Meltzer yeah. While I'm watching a match, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying like yeah. this is not this is not working. Like, I mean, I need to just. It feels as if we're being negative on AEW. I need to just quickly say that MJF is one of the best things. MJF is incredible. Ever seen? He's astounding. Consistently as well. He's one that you'll see him on the mic against or with Regal, and it will be mm-hmm. amazing. Then you'll see him on the mic with Punk, and it will be amazing. You'll see him on the mic with all of these icons, and he's at least holding his own. Absolutely. He's not ca- carrying them at certain I, points. It's, I think MJF is amazing. And with Cole, I think. We've, we've had on Cole as well. Again, there's some amazing segments, but yeah. See, I don't, I'm not that into what they're doing right now with MJF and Adam Cole, mm. like this buddy mm. thing. I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm personally not that into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's, I like MJF when he's being serious. Yeah. You know, when he's yeah. like a little dangerous, a little unhinged, like that's that's the MJF that I, well, that I again, prefer. I recommend anyone who's, who's not seen it to go on YouTube and watch the MJF and William Regal promo yeah because the true history there of regal kind of turning him down in nxt and the two of them just oh it's astounding like there's genuinely they're drawing on years and years of genuine real life history to get this this moment it's yeah it's amazing yeah so i mean there's a lot there's a lot i love about AEW, and i still watch it i just think they have to make some big top down change i mean and this is just for me in my perspective i think they need to make some top down changes to put all of their talent in like the best position to succeed and like basically get rid of anything that's affecting the booking outside of that goal. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like any, yeah, any, yeah, yeah. any weirdness going on, whether it's, you know, Tony being overworked or what, you know, whatever, whatever the situations may be, if there's anything that's causing it to be a situation where they can't put all of their talents in the best position to like be booked consistently and get over like they gotta yeah. push it to the side and like really focus. They have they have one of the best talent rosters we've ever seen, and yeah. they got some of the most creative minds in the business in the back. Like they really yeah. gotta. I think they really gotta put it together and make it work. I completely agree. And if if as said, if Tony shared some of the load, he maybe wouldn't have to be coked up constantly to get yeah. through the day. So <laughs> you know, I'm gonna throw the scan the, the slanderous things in at the end. Um, I'm gonna wrap things up there, man, because I know you're going on tour tomorrow to to kind of end. I want to ask if you feel playlists have the same feel as mixtapes. Because, you know, making a mixtape for someone in the school days, again, this all came off your, on one of your streams recently. You were talking about m- making mixtapes and making some mixtape mistakes oh, yeah. in the past, making oh, yeah. some big mixtape er- mixtape errors. And I was originally going to say, why aren't playlists as good or whatever else? But there is still something quite the dope and quite sweet and quite personal about putting together a playlist for someone. It is. So what is there? Can playlists hold as much weight or does it have to be, you know, a physical mixtape to put to pour your heart into and make your mistakes on? I do think the physicality is important. I think it's mm. important. It's not the most important thing, but I think it's what separates the satisfaction of both making 
mm. and receiving a mixtape. You know, yeah. like the original mixtapes that I got were like actual DJ mixes, you know, yeah. where yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. thought of a routine, you know what I'm saying? And like thought yeah, about yeah, what yeah. song goes with what and yeah. they recorded it and they distributed it, you know. Um, yeah. And then even the mixtapes I made for myself off the radio, it's like, these are the best songs that I've heard that I like. And I'm going to make this tape for myself of all the things. And and it's it's physical. It's like, this this is the tape. This is the gold. Yeah. And then making them from other people, you know, like you sit there and you physically press the button and you think of an order and you hope that there's not too much space at the end of one I've, side. I've, and I've got songs that come on every now and then and I can think instantly of what the mixtape looked song like came on. that yeah. that was on and what was next. And yeah, what, what the, song what was written on comes it. on after yeah. because you've heard it in that, in that yeah. sequence so yeah. many yeah. times. And, you know, you can write stuff on a liner note, you know, and yeah. you, you yeah. give it to somebody and they can hold it and look at it. And it's like, I have made playlists for Twitch that I have like scrambled and made in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Just like dragging stuff. You know, and yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it's cool. Same, yeah. It's 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 got the thought, it's got the intention, but it's just the 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 bar for completion is so much lower now that I do mm. think it affects the satisfaction to some degree. Yeah, I feel you. I agree. Well, I hope you put together some good tour playlists and keep yourself sane on the road. Well, um, I appreciate know, you taking the time, man. I, I tell you the unfortunate thing that's happening right now, and this dovetails with the conversation we were having earlier, is that now like there's a part of my brain that is constantly thinking of songs to add to the coffee playlist for Twitch. And so it's happening. It's already happening. The the stream (laughs) is starting to eat my brain. Yeah, yeah. It's getting in there and it's overtaking. Mm -hmm. Try and keep that balance, man. um, (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. It's been good to catch up. It's been great to catch up. It's been far too long. It's been crazy. It's been great to catch up. I mean, next time you're here or I'm there, we should definitely link up, man. 100%. I'm down. Well, I appreciate you, man. And we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Open Mike Eagle. I love him. I think he's fantastic. I hope you love him and think he's fantastic too. I'll be back next week with more wonderful chitter and or chatter. Until then, keep tuning in. Keep supporting. Tune in to Mike on Twitch. Tune in to me on Twitch. Tune in to... What previous guests have I had that are on Twitch? Blind Boy's on Twitch. He's not using it much at the moment. David Earl on Twitch. He's fantastic. Previous guest, Barmer on Twitch. Legend. Um, I think that's all the people I've had on who are on Twitch. Oh, B. Dolan. Why am I not mentioning B. Dolan? Tune in to B. Dolan on Twitch. And as this comes out, B. Dolan is about to land in this country on tour. We talked about B. Dolan in the intro. No, no, or in the body of the conversation. B. Dolan's hitting the fringe at the end of the month. Then Glasgow, Manchester, uh, I want to say Bristol, Leeds, Birmingham, Brighton, London, Preston, Dublin. That's that's definitely all of them. Not necessarily in the right order, but that's the ones, I think. And as you know, I think B. Dolan has the best live show in the game. So if if there are any tickets left and you have not bagged them, bag them. I'll be at a few of the the shows knocking about enjoying watching a master do what he does best so um yeah maybe i'll see you at one of those shows maybe i'll see you next week on the distraction pieces podcast either way until then stay safe 
and stay sane. Ta-ta.